0: Everybody, I love you. I thank God for you. I'm very grateful uh, that you've been in my life. I'm grateful for the kindness uh, that you've shown to Deb and I uh, this weekend. It's been a little overwhelming. Grateful for my staff who um, did all the work to make this day possible, um, but it is my privilege. And I know I'm only his unworthy servant. I want one day to be his good and faithful servant, but... Um, He gets all the glory. He doesn't share His glory with anybody. And so we give praise to our God, and I thank you for your presence today. If you're with us for the first time, oh my gosh, we are delighted to have you with us. You've caught us on the very front end of a new teaching series called Justice, and we're going to launch it. I mean, one of the things you've got to know about us, we love to grow in our relationship with Jesus, our knowledge of God, our experience of the Holy Spirit, our study of His Word. And so we are launching what we think is a catalytic uh, journey to, to ignite all that, and that is 35 days of prayer. Uh, There are prayer journals available for you as you leave. There's like a display uh, out that part of our gallery area on the inside are like prayer starters for every day. So please use them. Be here on the weekend and uh, get the message and then pray through the week. It's five days a week, so if you miss a day, it's easy to catch up. On the back It is prayer help for you to pray for your friends and family who are far from God, maybe who've drifted away, and they need to come back home to church and and to their Lord. And so just pray for them every day. Pray for opportunities to invite them. Pray for opportunities to have faith conversations. But please pick up one of these, or you can go online. Um, I got it by accident earlier this week. I don't know how it happened, but it's online on our um, website. Um, I'm going to pray over us right now, and then we're going to get into this justice series. Would you bow with me, please? Father, um, right now, would you just clear away anything that's happened today, any distraction in our heart, and would you just drill down into our souls with your truth through your word in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. In that name we pray. Amen. Justice. (laughs) Uh, How many of you have actually stood personally in a court of law in front of a judge? Anybody? Oh, yeah, you bunch of criminals. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) me too. Forty-five years ago, I was young and foolish, and um, a state trooper pulled me over in southern Indiana where we lived. Uh, I was vastly exceeding the posted speed limit, and the officer was so kind, he gave me an invitation. Actually, I think he called it a citation, but I was to go to court on a specific day at a specific time, and he made it unmistakably clear, Mr. Clark, if you fail to appear, a warrant will be issued for your arrest. Now, I don't think my mom and dad know about this yet, so please keep this between me and you. But on that day, uh, I showed up in court, man, I'm sweating Bullets. I'm waiting for my name to be called. When my name is called, I stand up, walk kind of with a bit of the shakes in front of the judge. He looks down at me grimly. He is not pleased to see me at all. Mr. Clark, he reads the citation. He said, This is a serious infraction of the law. How do you plead Uh, guilty, Your Honor? Mr. Clark, I'm going to give you a choice. You may pay the fine. Are you prepared to pay the fine? I'm broker and a joker. No. No, Your Honor. Okay, you are going to defensive driving school. Yes, Your Honor, that's awesome. The defensive driving school was on two consecutive Saturdays. First Saturday, I'm there on time. I'm ready. I'm there all day engaged. Second Saturday, I don't remember what happens, but I show up a few minutes late. I think, no worries. I stick with the class. Class gets done. Before I can go out the door, the teacher, who is also a police officer, calls me to his desk. I said, I saw you sneak in late. Uh, Yeah, I'm sorry, but I was here for the whole class. Well, I'm sorry too, but in this class, a tardy is the same as an absence. You're going back to court. I, I said, wait a minute. That's not fair. It's just a couple minutes. Tell it to the judge. And he writes out a citation and unmistakably to me, lets me know that if I don't appear, uh, a warrant will be issued for my arrest. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to make a bigger, a big mess bigger, so I show up on time. This time when my name is called and I go before the bench, the judge is very disappointed to see me. Mr. Clark, I can't believe this. I can't believe you're back here, that you were late to class. I gave you a chance. Are you prepared to pay the fine? No, Your Honor. Okay, go back to defensive driving school. Be on time. Be there each time. You will get no more chances. And so I go, both times, on time, get through it. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, this is over. But you know, there's coming a day, potentially for me, potentially for you, to stand not before a county judge, but the judge of all the universe. The Bible calls him the righteous judge. And here's what we know from his word. One day, they will have to give an account to the one who is destined to judge the living and the dead. And the Bible is not done. Check this out from the word of God. All things are laid bare and exposed to the eyes of him before whom we must give an account. There is an unchangeable aspect of God's character. He is the holy judge. God is the ultimate holy judge, and He has an ultimate system of holy justice. Now, there, there's no mystery about the justice of God. He makes it clear and simple in the opening pages of His Word in Book One, even the very first sentence of book one, we see God flinging planets into space. We see him calling the name of stars and they appear in their places. He creates everything, the earth, the sky, the sea, all that's in them, makes everything out of nothing and everything God creates, even the first man and woman, striking, stunning in their beauty and all absolutely eternal. Everyone, the two humans, everything, Everything is designed to last forever and ever and ever. And there will be no pain, no sorrow, no disease, no struggle, no death. That's chapter 1 in the number one book of the Bible. In chapter 2, God lays out his system of justice. Here it is. The Lord God warned Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, you may freely, this is God, this is how gracious He is, this is how loving He is. His character is just, but His character is also love. And He said, just freely, you can have it freely, freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat its fruit, you are sure, you are sure to die. That's chapter two in book one of the Bible. So, guess what happens in chapter three? God has issued his justice, and Satan comes seductively slithering into the garden and into the lives of Adam. And Eve, just as Satan has seductively slithered into your life. And mine, Satan, as is his way, he lies to Adam and Eve, just as he has lied to you and I. Adam and Eve, they believe the lies of Satan, they forget God, and they sin in the worst way possible. Just as you and I have believed the lies of Satan, and forgotten God, and sinned in the worst way possible. Here's what the Bible says. The woman stared at the fruit because Satan had said, hey, that fruit, man, it is beautiful. It will taste so good. It will change your life. It'll take you to a whole nother God level. This fruit is to die for. The woman stared at the fruit. It looked beautiful and tasty. She wanted to experience. She wanted the wisdom. She wanted to go to a new God level. The wisdom it would give her. She ate some of the fruit. Her husband was there with her. She gave some to him. He ate two right away. One translation of the Bible says immediately. Another translation of the Bible says in that moment. Here's what we know instantaneously, right away, they saw what they had done. Oh my gosh, what were we thinking? Oh my gosh, what have we done? What had they done? They had violated the holy justice. They had violated, rebelled against the holy character of God. And everything got broken. Our planet was broken in that moment. There was something now broken in Adam and in Eve. And now what came out of their broken hearts was shame and guilt and fear and anxiety. Feelings they had never, never experienced. Feelings that God never intended for them to. But now their hearts are flooded with guilt and shame and fear and anxiety. And everything suffered the brokenness of their sin. You see, even now today, there's something broken. Even in our planet, something broken because of sin. There's something broken in every nation and every government because of sin. There's something broken in every political party because of sin. There's something broken in every neighborhood, every community because of sin. There's something broken in every marriage, every family, every friendship because of sin. There's something broken in me. There's something broken in you because of sin. And it just wrecked everything forever, forever. In fact, you got to know this, our sin, mine, yours, violates the holy justice of God, and it wrecks everything. It always hurts more than we thought it would. It always hurts more people than we thought it would, and the pain goes deeper than we ever thought it would and lasts longer. Here's what it wrecked for Adam and Eve and everyone since. The Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty angels east of Eden. He placed a flaming sword. This is a symbol of his anger against their sin. This is a symbol of his judgment and condemnation against their sin. He set a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Notice it's not guarding the way to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil from which they would eaten. No, it's guarding the way to the tree of life. Our sin means we're out. Our sin means we are banished from his presence. Let me show you. The way back into God's favor is blocked by his holy justice. No one gets back into God's presence unless they go under that sword, the sword of anger, the sword of judgment, the sword of condemnation. That's book one of the Bible. Chapters 1, 2, and 3. In book 2 of the Bible, a a heroic, bigger-than-life figure emerges, takes center stage. His name is Moses, and Moses is on a a best-friend basis with God. No one is closer to God than Moses they engage in prayer and conversation for extended periods of time. God comes down and meets with Moses. And in one of those conversations, in one of those prayers, Moses cannot help himself. He just basically blurts out, oh God, if you love me, please let me see your glory. And Bam! Just like that, God is up in Moses' face and says, You, you may experience my goodness. You may hear me proclaim my, my name, but you cannot see my face, for no one, not you, Moses, not anybody, may see me and live. You see, the barrier is still set between even the heart closest to God and God. The barrier is still there because of sin. Uh, Let me show you. God's holy justice denies sinners access into his saving presence. In fact, that's the theme. We have no access to God. Our access is blocked by God's holy justice. And it's all because of our sin, the sin that we've thought, the sin that we've said, the sin that we've felt, the sin that we've done. And that's the theme of the first 39 books of the Bible. Book one, two, three, all the way through 39. But then, bam, again, something happens. Book 40, Book 41, book 42, book 43, they're all about Jesus. God, in the fullness of time, sent forth his son to be born of a virgin to save us from our sin, to get us back into right relationship with God. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all writing about the life, the ministry, the death, and resurrection, the victory of Jesus. That's our victory. So now, now because of Jesus... When we surrender fully to Him, guess what happens? Now God always acts toward us in accordance with His love through Jesus. It's like God takes off the majesty and splendor of His judge's robe. He doesn't stop being the judge, but He comes around the bench and now approaches us as Father and friend, in fact, when Jesus had the opportunity to explain it as simple as possible in the Book of John, Jesus makes this claim, "God so loved David, God so loved Central, God so loved the world that He gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not die but have eternal life." That's John 3:16. you see it on signs and end zones of football stadiums. Many of us memorized it when we were a kid, but I'm waiting for somebody to put John 3, 17 in a football stadium end zone. Because here's how Jesus continues. He says, for God did not send a son into the world to be its judge, but to be our Savior. Jesus came to rescue us from our sin, not to judge us. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And on the cross, our Jesus, He absorbed all God's anger due us for our sin. And here's the deal it's more than knowing about Jesus as a historical figure. It's personally knowing Jesus and surrendering to him as Lord. Let me show you. When you surrender to Jesus, you are not judged. No way. Not anymore. Now you are saved. This is wild. Because when Jesus was on the cross. Remember that sword of judgment, that flashing, flaming sword of condemnation and God's anger? Jesus on the cross fell on that sword. And by his death and shed blood, he extinguished all the anger of God for us, all the judgment of God to us, all the condemnation of God for our sin. Jesus extinguished it all. You see, when he was on the cross, he was, he was taking your place. He was bearing the penalty for your sin. He, on the cross, he was my substitute. In my stead, he was receiving all the punishment. due me for my sin. And I was getting made right with God. And you were being clothed in the goodness of Christ. The Apostle Paul explains how this works in Romans 3. Paul writes, we are made right with God. We're made right before the judge by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Now, that word believe in the Greek is pistis. And it doesn't mean like I believe George Washington was the first president of the United States. That's just intellectual assent. No, this means trusting surrender. Everyone who surrenders to Jesus, no matter who they are, they are made right with God. Now, now you can go to church and not be fully surrendered to Jesus. You can you you can read the Bible and not be fully surrendered to Jesus. You can you you can do the prayer work and not be fully surrendered to Jesus. That this. Surrendering to Jesus is a lifestyle where we just bow before him humbly and lay it all out there and surrender. It's, you, my money is your money. My marriage is your marriage. My parenting is your parenting. My emotions are your I surrender it all to you, Lord. I, I don't want to hold on to anything. I'm glad you're my Savior, Jesus, but I want you to be my King and my Lord. I surrender all to you. You, you, you see, here's what happens. When we put our faith to Jesus. We put our faith in Jesus when we surrender to Him as our King. He is only King in those areas of our lives where we allow Him full rule. In the other areas, we're trying to be King. We're trying to play God. And it's not working so well. So we feel anxiety. We get afraid. We worry. We're not cut out to be God or King. But in every area where we surrender. Jesus exerts his lordship, works everything together for the good. He exerts his lordship, making everything beautiful in its time. He exerts his lordship, and guess what? He is able to do immeasurably, abundantly, exceedingly more than all we can ask or even imagine according to his power. His power is within us when his rule is within us. Well, the apostle Paul's not done. He continues to write, all of sin, you, me, everybody, your mama, we all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious ideal. One of the reasons I struggle with the attention that comes on a day like today is that I know all you guys are way better people than me. I don't think my mom's listening, so i just say it this way. You're gooder than me. You're way good. But even your goodness, there is an, a, a gap between you and the perfection of God. There is an abyss between you and the perfection of God that only the cross of Jesus can bridge. Nobody is perfect. Everybody sins. All fall short of God's glory is the deal. We need a Savior. We need a Jesus. Yet now God declares us not guilty of offending Him if we trust in Jesus Christ who in His kindness, there's that word again, this is God's nature. Yeah, He's always holy. He's always just, but He is always love and He freely gives. He freely forgives in His kindness, freely takes away our sins. He doesn't hold our sins against us. He, he doesn't not repay us according to our iniquities but as far as east is from west so far has he removed our transgressions from us and as a father has compassion on his children so the Lord has compassion on those who worship him for God sent Christ Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to end all God's anger Jesus fell on the flaming sword and it end all God's anger toward us. Isaiah 54, 9. To me, God said, these are like the days of Noah when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I swear that I will not be angry with you, that I will never rebuke you again. So Jesus on the cross bore all God's wrath. It was all absorbed in him. Jesus took, Scripture says that we sin more than the numbers of hair on our head. Now, I see some of you men are perfect. (laughs) We, We have, but for every sin we sin on the cross, Jesus bore every rebuke of God for every sin. It didn't fall on us, it fell on him. So now, in this courtroom of the good king... In this courtroom of the judge who takes off his robes and establishes himself as our loving father, now let us then approach God's throne of grace, not with trepidation or insecurity or intimidated, Sweating bullets, but with confidence, so that we may receive mercy. Mercy is God protecting you from bad stuff you deserve because of bad stuff you've done. That's what you get when you surrender to Jesus and find grace. Grace is God giving you good gifts you don't deserve, like His Son Jesus. God is a good God who grants his grace to help us in our times of need, in our sickness, in our weakness, in our temptation, in our financial lack, to help us in our relationships, to help us in our time of need. And so this judge, it's not just that he takes off the robes as judge, and he's still judge, he's just taken off the robes. He's coming around the bench to be our father, but more than our father, he comes to be our friend, our friend that stays closer than a brother. Look at the word of God. Friends, we now without hesitation walk right up to God into the holy place. The holy place is the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They, enjo- they invite us to join them in that circle of relationship. Jesus cleared the way for this possibility by the blood of his sacrifice. Here's the deal. We have a hellish problem, you and me, because no matter how good you are, you may be a really goody-two-shoes. And I'm not. One of the cool things for you is that when you surrender to Jesus, you'll stop being a goody-two-shoes and you'll start being like him. But here's our here's our hellish problem. God's justice cannot overlook our sin. Can't overlook my sin. Can't overlook your sin. But here's the saving remedy of Jesus. In his lavish love, God put all my sins, all your sins, all our sins. He put all our sins on Jesus. Here's how the Bible tells it. God took the sinless Christ, knew no sin, did no sin. This is huge. Because Jesus lived a sinless life, a perfect life, he can impute you. With his beautiful, glorious, his beautiful, glorious perfection, and even better, he takes upon himself all our ugly, evil imperfections, the sinless Christ, and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange for our sins, he poured God's goodness into us. Everything bad about you is put on Jesus when you surrender to him and everything good about Jesus is put on you. When I surrender to Jesus, everything wrong with me is put on Jesus and he, all his righteousness, everything right with him is put on me. We got a good God. We got a saving Jesus and we have the presence of his Holy Spirit in the room uh, right now. But before I can go on, with my final scripture, I have to admit that I've been in court before a judge more than one time. My most memorable time standing before a judge in court was right here in Rock County. And we were there early. and uh, we didn't want to mess this thing up. It had been hard. It cost us a lot of money. weighed on our marriage, but we were there early. And when our names were called, the judge cleared the courtroom. Everybody out, but the judge, his staff, my Debbie, I, and our soon-to-be son, Wilkie. Now, our adoption had already been approved in Haiti, already legalized in Haiti. But for it to be legal and binding in the United States of America, it had to find approval before this judge. This judge comes out from behind his bench. He says, Mr. and Mrs. Clark Wilkie. You are the bright spot in our day. Every other case on our docket, challenging at best, painful at worst. But we're here with the opportunity to proclaim and approve that you are family. Mr. and Mrs. Clark, do you want this boy, Wilkie, to be your son? Do you want him to bear your name, Clark? Do you want him to be in your family, legally, binding? Proved by a court of law. Yes, Your Honor. Wilkie. He could hardly speak English at the time. Wilkie, do you want this man and woman? Mr. and Mr., You want them to be your mom, your father? Do you want to be in their family? Do you want to be a clerk? Yes. I pronounce by the authority invested in me, as a judge in the state of Wisconsin, I pronounce that you are family. The adoption is legal, binding in the United States of America. was an awesome moment for us. Wilkie has been our son now for 16 years. And so far he's in the will because he's given us two grandbabies. (laughs) But I want to tell you when you surrender your life to Jesus, you are legally bound into the family of God as a now adopted child of God. Let me read for you. Your adoption papers from the Word of God. Before God made the world, He chose us to be His very own through what Jesus would do for us on the cross. He decided then to make us holy. I mean, when you surrender to Jesus, you're not holy, but you are made holy in His eyes without a single fault. We who stand before him covered in his love, not covered in our shame, not covered in our guilt, not covered in our sin, but covered in the love of Christ. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. He did this because he wanted to. So praise God for his wonderful kindness to us and his favor that he has poured out upon us because we belong to his dearly loved of son. So overflowing is his kindness toward us that he took away all our sins through the blood of his son by whom we are saved. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.